Hey, this is Jeff and Jeremy from the Ultra Running Guys. We just want to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We started this podcast to help you take your next step in your ultra running journey. We also want to make sure that you are aware that there are a few ways you can connect with us. So be sure to check us out on our Instagram and Facebook accounts, and you can head over to our website, theultrarunningguys.com, so you can see the live races that we're hosting. Lastly, don't miss out on an opportunity to connect with us on Patreon, where we'll be providing behind-the-scenes content, and this year we'll be spending a lot of time really building up that community. So thank you again. Be sure to like, subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends, and enjoy the episode. Don't look at, you know, trying to compete. Most people want to just run fast, go out there, you know, go for time. Just enjoy and see what, what your body can do. And then next thing you know, you're challenging yourself and you are being fast and you are being smart and wise. And welcome back to the Ultra Running Guys. You got Jeremy Reynolds and Jeff Winchester of the Ultra Running Guys. And to all the listeners, thank you so much for taking the time to just sit with us. We're here to help you take your next step in your ultra running journey. So our guests and I actually came up in conversation with a couple of people that we were really fond of. Andy Glaze, who is one of our most popular past guests. And then Chris Kosman, who's the world-renowned uh, race director of the Badwater 135. So the guy we're talking to tonight, if you go look at his ultra signup, he's got 244 events listed, and that includes 13 consecutive Badwater 135 finishes. Insane. <laughs> Insane. He's also got, so Badwater 135, known for being hot, he's also got six finishes that we counted at the Arrowhead 135, which is up in Minnesota. It's ranked in the top 50 of the world's hardest races due to the cold weather routinely temperatures of negative 35 to negative 40. I did quick math. You know, you look at bad water and then you look at Arrowhead and the temperature differential is somewhere around 170 degrees, something like that, which is, it just shows what the human body is capable of. But uh, I'm interested to hear about that. So bottom line, we, we can pretty much say without a doubt, this is one of the toughest runners you'll ever come across. And regardless of whether you want to do the things that he's doing, or whether you just want to improve and take your next step. We're super excited to talk to this guy, kind of pick his brain, uh, because there's no doubt that he is a master in the game. So Ray Sanchez, man, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Dude, like I said, we are excited. And I think there's so much we can talk about. But one of the things for us uh, that's really important is to understand kind of where you are now, because a lot of people are going to go, how, how is this guy doing what he's doing, <laughs> us included? I think it's important that we understand where you've come from. And so we've already talked a little bit about some of your race history. But we also know you were a three-time Golden Glove boxer, so you're tough. <laughs> where does that toughness come from? Uh, I got nine brothers and sisters. We always fight like cats and dogs, and next minute we want to play Monopoly. <laughs> 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 and then uh, I grew up in a area, you know, not too great. So because they would pick up my brothers and they couldn't beat up my brothers, so I ended up having to fight. And I hated fighting, so I had no choice. So that kind of made me. I was more fear not them. I was fear of my brother because if I lose, I get it be a whooping from him. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, so sounds like grew up doing some fighting. So how did you make the jump from that, from being in, you know, tough neighborhood, nine brothers and sisters, to deciding that you want to get into boxing? Like, how do you channel uh, that energy? I, w I ran, and I ran, like, cross country in high school, and then I used to wrestle, and then uh, I didn't do nothing for a couple of years. I got divorced, so, you know, I had plenty of time in my hands, so then, you know, I, I wanted to box. So I just tried it. I started late. I started when I was like uh, 20, I think 26. And then I just took off and um, I won every, every year I made it to Golden Gloves. I was either runner up or I won. And then um, I made it to the 96 Olympic trials. I lost my second bout. And then after that, I was gonna 
continue boxing, but then I had to raise my kids. So I was divorced. So then I, I chose to raise the kids instead. And then I didn't do nothing for years. Well, I shouldn't say years, decades. <laughs> and then I, uh, my coworker, Tom Zinkelin, he kept talking me in for like two years, kept talking me in to get, you know, to start running. And I was like, ah, nah, nah. I kept looking at him. He said, I run hundreds and fifties. They go, yeah, right. I mean, cause he's like, when I met him, he was Bobby like 58 and he's like six, three. He had to weigh a minimum of 250 pounds. And he would just uh, say, okay, and I you can't convince me. And, I, you know, kids are out of the house. I had all this free time. I was single. And I said, okay, I'll go with you. So in 2006, I started running with him about in, uh, I think it was like November or October. It was like a month before CIM. So I started running with them and took off. I was like, <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> I guess he does. <laughs> That's so awesome. And yeah. so I'm just out of curiosity. So you said, you know, you essentially took a couple of decades. How old were you at that time? I was, uh, I believe I started running when I was, see, I think I was 40, 30, 39 or 40. I, I feel bad because when I was 39 is when I started running. I'm nowhere near as tough as Ray. Holy cow. But I didn't box. So <laughs> I, I'm going to use that as my excuse. Ray, that's, that's incredible to have that kind of like arc of your life and stuff. And so, you know, when you look at, at your, your, your childhood, like you said, it was, it was rough. You fought with your brothers all the time. You then went into boxing and everything and were very accomplished. We believe in boxing as being a you know, three-time golden glove winner, making it to the Olympic trials. Not a lot of people can say that. Right. And now you've transitioned to ultra running. What, when you look at this, this arc of your life and you look at your childhood and you look at your boxing, boxing experiences, what lessons do you think that you learned in, in those areas of your life do you think have helped you as an ultra runner? Um, just being dedicated to my training. You got, you got to put your training in and you got to enjoy it. Because um, if you're doing it because, you know, you're forced to do it, you, you're not going to be able to, uh, to make it. It's, you're more, more susceptible to injuries. You're more susceptible to something happening. And uh, I started running to go to keep away from going back to boxing or going to the MAA fighting. Because I know I could go back and get a title or, or win it easily. Because I used to box. I used to, uh, used to wrestle. I used to take martial arts. I do everything. And then I was like, oh, do I do that? But then, you know, it's not worth it. Because there's always that one person that has your number. So, uh, and as it is, my memory goes a little bit. It's, it's gone because of boxing. So I don't want my kids to take care of me. So running's more funner. It's more adventure. I get to travel. I get to go places where I never thought I would ever be. I like that. So I'm just curious now, which, which boxer out there has your number? Uh, there was a guy named Danny. I, I forgot his last name. He was from uh, Santa, Santa Rosa. He was an amateur boxer, just like me. I had beat him. I whooped him pretty bad the, the first time I met him. I don't, I don't even remember fighting. That's the bad part. I don't remember fighting. He just told me about it. And then we'll just go back and forth. I mean, he'll win. I will lose. He'll win. But majority of the time, he, he won. And he just always had my number. I bet you can outrun him, though. Oh, yeah. I can outrun him. <laughs> <laughs> So speaking of that, so we've got, I've got so many questions, right? Um, <laughs> it's almost like I don't know where to start, but let's talk running. Well, I'm going to give the listeners an overview. So we've looked at your 2022 race schedule and it just, as we're talking, you know, you said you started running in 39, 40. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you turned 55 this year. So about yeah. 15 years, so I'm thinking 15 years, 244 events, um, and you go back and look, and 2022 is somewhat of an example of how we got there, right? So you just finished the Coldwater 100 this last weekend, right? Yes. Um, and out there with Andy Glaze, which is cool. So for perspective, just ran the Coldwater 100 last weekend, and we're recording this on January 19th. So between the months of May and August this year, which is about a three-month span, you're scheduled to do the Cocodona 250. You've got three different 100-mile runs 
two of which are a week apart. Yeah. And right in the middle of that, well, we'll talk about this. And so then topping it off in August with the Bigfoot 200 and what's not there yet that I'm assuming that you'll be in as well is your 14th Badwater. Is that correct? My fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would assume, is it hoping just because of COVID or hoping what's the, what's the risk for the bad water? Well, you know, there's a lot of applications and, you know, a lot of people, there's a lot, I mean, you think I run, there's, there's people out there that run just as crazy as me. I thought I was bad. It's like, I thought I had the most uh, consecutive. And then I look again and I, I was getting Danny Ma Maskin, I think he was mixed up with Danny Westgard because he told me he didn't accept it one year. I said, okay, I got it. I thought I had it. Then all the blue, I see Danny Westgard. I'm like, wow, this guy is remarkable. And he has 14. He has one more than me. And it's hey. not like stop soon. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be chasing him for a long time. So I might as well just enjoy the adventure with him. Well, and that's the piece I want to get to right there, because you said enjoy the adventure. So assuming that race happens, that is literally, I think, four days ahead of one of those hundred miles we just mentioned. Yeah. So just very specifically, Badwater is a month starts on a Monday. It's July 11th this year. Um, it's yes. slated to end on July 13th. So let's say that you take 30 hours to do it or 35 hours. I think that's you hit around 30, 36. I think I've seen before for you. So you're looking yeah. at finishing that on the 12th of July sometime during the day um, or night. And then your next race is that Saturday, following Saturday, um, the Tahoe Rim Trail 100. Yes. <laughs> with a straight face <laughs> so the listeners listen in their ears they can't see my face your face is like yeah this is like normal my face is completely dumbfounded i am unsure how you do something like that it's incredible so yeah you just gotta you gotta enjoy it i mean to me i just look at it you know i may be superman i may fall apart or i might just have a good day Either way, every race I look at is a learning experience. It's just like a cold, cold water, just like rumble. Last last week I did. I ran that. I was doing great with Andrew. We're running. And then I had uh, some GI problems and I got chafing. And the bad part was, is from, I learned, is that, you know, Vaseline don't work. This, you know, the, the scroll, the scroll thing was too cold to even work. So, you know, I was suffering. You know, so now I got to figure out, you know, something that's going to work in the code. So I was suffering all that time. I couldn't go fast. I couldn't, you know, I was, uh, you know, I didn't want to go slow. So I was just trying to find a medium pace where I could keep without, you know, hurting. So I just kept the pace at the uh, minute all the way through until about the last, I think the last five miles, I just picked it up because I wanted to get it over with. Uh, so this is where I like, man, I want to talk mindset because I'm fascinated by, and we've heard, for the record, we hear so many chafing stories. It's that chafing is the devil, right? It's the worst. <laughs> we need some chafing sponsors is what we need. What was that, Ray? It stops you in your track. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but here's the deal. So you've said a few times now, you just have to enjoy it. And so one of the questions that we had kind of put down before we got any information from Chris Kosman, so for some background, we had put down, so how do you keep from burnout, right? And then we we reached out to Chris Kosman and said, hey, we're going to be talking to Ray Sanchez. You know, is there anything we should ask him? And his big thing that he came back with, first of all, he had just such glowing things to say about you. He, you know, he, he really had some great things to say about you. That dude loves you. Um, but anyways, he's like, hey, he's turned 55 this year. His question was, how do you continue to run so well? So I think those two are probably connected, but how are you continuing to run the way you are? And then how do you personally keep the joy in running? Um, I just listen to my body. Uh, it's like a lot of people put a lot of miles in. You don't really don't need to put a lot of miles in. All you need is that one long run in. You get that one long run in. Um, if you want to work on speed, I, I like, I hate treadmill, but I like it because it makes you faster. It's like if you're doing five miles and you're like, a, a, say, we'll say you run like an average, a, a seven. So you run the, you run the five miles for a seven. But when you get to your last, your last five miles, you know, you just like every 20 seconds, you just go, go up a notch, you go seven, one, you go seven, two. Next thing you know, you're at a nine, you're, you're going fast. Then when you finish that mile, you bring it all the way back down to where you started at a seven. 
and it's easy. And you're maintaining that seven for a cool down for like two miles. And that gets you more, a lot more faster. So when you wake up and I mean, are there days where you're like, oh my gosh. And we'll talk about how your training goes. Cause I, I have listened to something. I know you said for a while, kind of early on, you really used races as your training. So I'm assuming it was kind of experience based, but um, just from a burnout perspective, are there days when you wake up and you're like, gosh, I really don't want to go do this today. Or do you really enjoy it every time? Uh, there's days where I, where I'm not, when I'm running a race, when I'm in a race, like, well, you know, uh, it's like I'm at mile maybe 80, 90, or I could be at four. There's times like, what am I doing out here? <laughs> you know, I had that dead zone. And then I just makes you know, you know, you know, that mile is, seems forever. It may take me like freaking 20 or 30 minutes just to finish it. It seems that way. But once I get it done, it's like, oh, okay, now I know why <laughs> I'm out here. That's awesome. Um, so <clears throat> I want to go back to something you said just a minute ago. You said you don't need to put a lot of miles in. You just need that one long, long one long run. Um, yeah. so is that something that you do like you when you're not doing races? Because to me, when I look at your race schedule, you're doing a long run as a race just about every yeah. other week. I use my races to get my long runs in. Uh, once in a while, I'll go out and if, I, if I'm lucky, I mean, you know, like my hat's off with, it's remarkable what Andrew does with all the freaking miles he puts in. I mean, my hat's off with him. I mean, you know, there's no excuse. I, sh you know, he makes me, I'm like, oh man, I got to go out there. You know, I got to get up there before the sun rises or something like that. But uh, there's times where I, I'll go out there and be lucky if I can get like 16 miles in, 20 miles in, if I'm lucky. So you're, you're actually saying something that now I'm very curious about. I'm going to, it's a two-part question, but how, what would you say your average weekly miles are not race week? If I'm working out at the gym, probably at the low, maybe, uh, maybe 12. Uh, so for the sake of comparison here, so you're talking 12 miles per week and Andy, who you race in a lot of your races with as well, is doing hundred mile weeks, 180 right. mile weeks, 180 mile weeks. Right. Sorry. So, so when you talk to Andy about this, don't you kind of laugh at him and ask him why he's putting in so many miles compared to you? No, I, my hat's, my, I wish I can do that. I mean, he, I think when I need to put miles in, I was like, I got no excuse. I got to go out there. I, I think on the flip side, and again, Andy had such great things to say about, about you as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I think on the flip side, Andy would say, I don't know how he's running hundred mile week to week races and so I, I'm sure that there is this you know respect from both sides coming it's a different method uh but you know you're to your point you're using these monster efforts essentially as training where he is the like you would say the slow drip the day-to-day right. -day just solid mileage um but you know it's I won't say it's few and far between because Andy runs some big races, mm -hmm. but compared to what you're doing, you know, he's doing probably three or four bigger events a year where you're stacking them in. Um, it, both of them to me are just so interesting. So tell me again, I, I want to know one more time from a, a joy perspective, because we tend to fall into the trap of like, I've got a race tomorrow. I'm already stressing about it. <laughs> I'm doing a last man standing race, but you know, a lot of us go, Hey, and, and for your reference, a lot of our audience is new ultra runners. They're looking at their first 50 or, you know, 50K, 50 mile, 100. They're really just trying to build up that next step. And so we fall into this trap of, okay, what's my plan? I'm working towards this one event that I want to kind of maximize my performance. What are your words or what message would you have for someone who's just kind of getting into the game that wants to, you know, in 15 years, still love the things they're doing and be doing events and all that? Um, just stick with their plan. I mean, you go in there, just, just think, uh, look at the race, not as a race, especially as your first race. Don't look at it as a race. Just look out there. Okay. My, my goal is to run my own race, not someone else's race. So just stick with your plan and just like you're training, like you're out there training, just run that race like you're training. And then you'll realize that, you know, time you get to like, if you're doing a 50K, time you get to mile 25, you're doing so great that you could push yourself the last five miles and you'll finish in a better time than what you expected. It's just like, you're going to do the last, last man standing. I'm sure you're going to see a lot of friends there and everything, 
and you're going to tag around with them maybe for the first you know couple uh, miles but you know they're going to be faster than you and that's going to hurt you because that's taking you out of your game plan so if you just stuck it and run your own your own speed and let them stay with you don't 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 let them take you out of your plan right and then just run and 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 do what you're supposed to do. Make sure you stay in your salt, your electric lights and everything. Cause we tend to forget, you know, which I even do it, you know, all the time. And um, you'll have a great race. And then we, if you don't, and if you don't have a great race, don't look like a, you fail or whatever. Uh, just look at it. Okay. What, what did I learn from it? What can I, what can I uh, not do what I did wrong this time? I'll do it in my next race where I could perform better. I hear somebody getting in the car. Yeah. <laughs> Is your wife with you, Ray? Yeah, she's uh, she's up there loading the car up, the chairs and everything. Uh, well, well, when she gets in the car, tell her we say hello, please. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna be like, why are we doing a podcast right now, Ray? <laughs> it's amazing how you can do things now these days, you know? Uh, <laughs> instant connection. I love the fact that you are sincerely multitasking family and podcast at one time. Yeah, trying to. I just love it. So on that note, the other question that um, Chris Kaufman had was, he said that exact thing. Hey, there's a guy that's got, you know, 13 consecutive bad waters and he's got two young kids. How does he juggle it all? Uh, a lot with the wife's help. If it wasn't with her, uh, I probably wouldn't be able to do it and stuff. And the kids, you know, they're real flexible with me and everything. They understand what I do. They, they love. It's, uh, I thought I had to worry about my son, you know, you know, growing up being the runners. It's my daughter I got to worry about. Ever since she was a kid, we always used to walk the park. And before, she always wanted to go to the playground. And I always make her walk all around, make her walk up the hill, everything before she does that. And... Um, now she just she 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 don't like to lose. She just runs. That's so cool. I dig it. Did your wife hear you say that you couldn't do it without her? Uh, I don't know if she heard me. Did she hear that? What, that I couldn't do my without you. Oh my gosh, she said that. Holy <laughs> you know, it's just as hard on us than it is on him running, and he's so spoiled because I think he's spoiled because. Like in bad water, right? You have your crew. Oh, like, <laughs> you have your crew for every like two miles, right? But if you're like on your own race, it's like you're gone in the trail for like eight miles. So he's spoiled. It's not, yes, it is hard, but he's spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What what's your what's her what's your wife's name? Eileen. Eileen, we have talked about this before. We value the crew so much in, in the ultras, like our own wives support and everything. Honestly, I will say thank you on behalf of all of us um, that new ultra runnings. We can't, could not do it without the support of our crews and stuff. And you are right. We, you guys will sit there all day long and you will see okay. us for like 15 seconds or 30 seconds and we're gone to the next one. And you're like, let me pack up all my junk and move to the next one. <laughs> I, I, I tell my kids, it's like, there goes daddy. That's it. We waited here 10 hours. There he is. Two seconds. He's gone. Okay, let's go. <laughs> I tell her that because I, I was so used to being, uh, you know, everything by myself. I always did everything, you know, alone. And the, the crew part I see as a crutch. It kind of hurts me because I, I rely on it. I mean, I, that's why I like doing things solo. And uh, But she spoils me, so I get used to it. Like at Badwater, I, I rely on my crews, and I end up, you know, and I keep track of things and stuff where I should, you know, like where I need more salt. Then I realized, like this last bad water, I realized that as you get older, your body change. Mm. I took all the salt that I needed, but I was like, I don't know how I still got dehydrated, but I noticed lately I need to take more salt. Mm. So that's I gotta take Enduralite. Yeah, that's a good, what, what kind of electrolytes do you use? I use uh, Enduralites by Hammer Nutrition. Mm -hmm. I like their product because uh, it, it works with me. I love their Protectrin tablets because uh, it got a little bit of protein for your muscle. It, it's for longer runs. And it, you, you just, uh, I just chew on a tablet. You can put in no drink, but I just chew on it. And it, it's like a meal. It, it fills you up. It's got calories and everything on it. I'll be really? using that at, um, at Arrowhead. Okay. I'm going to have to look that up. 
so I, I know Hammer does Enduralites. Like I use, I've used their, um, the capsules that they have. I've never used their tablets or anything. And you said it's, what's it called with the protein? What? Yeah, it's protectrin. It's their, um, it's their tablet they have. They have it in a powder form too. And you just mix that with water? Yeah, but I like the tablets better because mm -hmm. you can, you carry, they come in a container, I think with like six of them in a little, little container. You just carry, they're easy to carry with you. You just take them to mm -hmm. the race. Yeah, I have to look at that. So on that note, so some of the things that we wanted to talk to you because it's just fascinating what you're putting your body through. Some of the just the actual like tactical stuff. What are what are some things our audience can take away? And that's a good one, right? The Endurolites, um, talking about tablets that give you the calories and the protein because a lot of times we miss that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think one thing that's important is it's hard to process protein, but a little bit of protein is you know helps with the carbohydrates and get, getting some of the other things in. So whether it's a part of your training or recovery or race day, are there certain like routines or kind of your must haves that you see as kind of critical to success, whether it's nutrition, whatever? Um, every, everyone's different. I can suggest what you've been doing like on your regular weekend runs. That's the main, many where people are your day off where you do your long runs. Just stick with what you do which on your training. Uh, trying to change it up during race day is, is going to make a difference. And so what you do during running, you just got to keep with it. You try to change it up, your body change. You don't ever know what you take may just like, you know, make you go to the bathroom more or make you pee more, you know, or something like that. For sure. And that happened. Our last guest uh, tried something new on her first 100-mile run, and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, how about recovery? To recover, uh, within 24 hours, you want to go out there and do at least, if you're doing hundreds or 50, you want to do at least a five-mile five run. Uh, not fast. Just go out there. Just loosen up your legs and everything. Uh, I use the recovery drink from Hammer. Where it works good. Uh, it works great. I mean, you know, Everyone may be different. They may use just a muscle milk, you know, that will probably work with them. But uh, Hammer works great with me. So, um, so one of the things that we, we recognize with somebody who's run as much as you have run, you've had a lot of successes and undoubtedly you've had a lot of hard challenges along the way. What are some, some mistakes that you have made that became some of the best lessons or hardest lessons you've had to learn? My first bad water, Granted, took off like a rabbit when I first started off, and uh, I was dehydrated within like the first 25 miles. I lost like, uh, at a, I think I lost like 14 to 12 pounds. So I was with my friend, uh, Brian Recor, which he did an amazing job. He helped me a lot. It was we, I didn't know nothing about salt or anything, and he was researching all that stuff. We couldn't, because being... Being over salt and under salt is very hard because you have the same symptoms. You pee a lot, you know, you'll be dehydrated and everything. Your hands swell up too. But uh, the way to find out is by tasting salt. If you can taste salt, you don't need salt. So that's the way to find out that. So I got to mile 25, I got dehydrated, and uh, I wanted the steak, but he wanted me to keep on going. So we, I kept on going, walked to a uh, stovepipe. I think that's mile 42 or 41. So there's a uh, medic there was, uh, I think her name was Lisa. She was going to pull me out of the race. And I kept arguing with her not to, because I was, you know, so under. And uh, she goes, she made me sit out for four hours. So I'm just standing and patient, you know, wanting to go like a rabbit to just take off. And, uh, she finally let me go, and she goes, okay, she made me promise her if anything's wrong, I got to come back. So I get out like two miles, and, you know, by running before the two miles, my my uh, stomach sounded like a water jug just shaking. So I said, oh, man, I got to go back, because, you know, if I end up, you know, dropping, you know, getting out there, she's going to kill me. So I went back, and, uh, you know, she, she, she told me, you know, I needed to rest and everything. So Brian, Brian out of room so we ended up uh resting i ate slept for like another four about uh, four or five hours got up 
and I just took off like a rabbit. And I was maintaining like an eight minute mile pace all the way down uh, Lone Pine. And that was one of my best finishes, that, that my first one. I finished in like uh, 36 hours. I learned that, you know, by that, I learned that if you just sit and rest for a minute, that your body could always come back and you can still, you can still finish. There are two things from that story that really jump out at me. And one, Jeff just made a note here too, was the thing you said about salt. I've never heard that before. Um, and I'm a guy that ends up, I have to pee like every 10 minutes in a race. So um, I'm trying to figure out that part of my body, but I just want to make sure I heard it right. You said, if you can taste salt, you don't need salt. Is that what you said? Correct. If you, I mean, if you could just like, taste it really bad like that real quick you don't need salt and when you say taste salt do you mean like if i have a salt in my hand and i taste it on my tongue or i can taste salt just because i can just generally taste it it's like at aid station i always dip, mm. i always grab a potato and dip it in salt if i can mm. taste the right way i don't need salt another way too is to get used to the way like you take like endurolites or whatever you take s s caps whatever bite into it know know what the taste is so when you're running, I always bite into my Endurolites, and um, I know the taste. If I can't taste it, then I'll pop another extra Endurolite because I know I need it. But if you if you if you can taste it, you just spit it out because you don't want to ever be oversalt. Oversalt's the worst thing to do because your brain will swell up, and you could it, it's hard to come back from that. I'm gonna practice that. It is so interesting to me that this has never come up in conversation. You know what I mean? It seems like such a simple trick um, because I, I will say that, you know, even reading books and stuff about it, how, did, how do you know whether you're properly hydrated? Do you need more salt? Do you need more water? And they talk about swelling of hands and stuff like that. Right. So I really appreciate you saying that because uh, now, like you said, now I'm going to try it just to see what if I can taste it because now I'm very confused. <laughs> um, but the other piece, so when we, we had sent you an email before and one of the things that you talked about and you, and you just really brought it up. Um, and I think that that first bad water story, right? You, you know, they wanted to pull you, you end up sleeping four hours, you go run this incredible finish and the message that you had, and I'm just going to quote what it said from the email was never give up. Your body can do remarkable things. Let your body rest for a minute and you can always come back. How is that just something that you were always built with, or is that just kind of a belief that you've developed over time as you've done these things? Uh, just over time, and I always see not just me; I see other runners do it too. They always just come back. It's just a little little rest. They just sit and rest. You know, there's sometimes where you can't. You you'll know if you're injured or something. You don't want to take that chance to injure yourself. But if you rest, you, you rest and let your body. Know, digest you know get back to what you need and you'll just come back and you'll finish you know you may not finish in a fast time you may have a better time you know it's like bad water you know I, I could have got a faster time but I had a great time because I was strong I finished running faster doing eight minute mile pace you know feeling great finished the race feeling you know even though I sat out all those time that was one of my best performances that I had I had faster times but that's the race that I loved that one first one. Man, it's so good. And so a follow-on question to that is, because obviously, I mean, you've got just your plan now is, okay, wait it out, give them the rest, and I'm going to move on. One of the things we talk a lot about on this show, especially, you know, for people doing their first one, or we just get, we tend to get surprised by the amount of pain or challenge or something that we find ourselves in, you know, kind of, we call it the pain cave. And so what would you tell somebody, because you obviously have been through it over and over and over again, I'm assuming you have kind of a system for dealing with it, but I'm interested in, in what do you tell yourself when you get in those moments? And then also, what would you tell somebody who's getting ready for their kind of that first big event or, you know, when they find themselves the first time in one of those moments, like you said, of what am I doing out here? Or this is so hard. I don't think I can do it. How do you process through that moment? Um. You're going to have your lows, like when you, you're thinking, like, you know, what are you doing out there and how are you going to get through it? It's just think, okay, what can I do, you know, to get better? You know, what I need, you know, like, you know, most people will be like, okay, I'm cramping, you know, okay, what, what do I need, you know, 
Just like the other things I tell you, you could be crampy too. Lack of salt, calcium, magnesium, uh, your muscles are fatigued and just overheat. Those are only three things I know why, why you be crampy. Uh, unless you, you know, you just drank too much, you know, water and you got a little air pocket in your, your side, it'll be up there in your side, and, you know, cramp up there in your ribs. But if you're cramping in your muscles, it's, a, it's one of those three things. To, you, you problem solve essentially is what it sounds like mm -hmm. to me, right? Because I, I think sometimes the challenge is getting out of our own head so we can go into the problem solve. It sounds like you're already there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When you start having those hard times, you're going, okay, what is the problem that I have to deal with? Um, and so that's the trick is I'm going to be thinking that even tomorrow when I'm in my race. Okay, how do I turn into Ray and now just start figuring out why I'm feeling this way versus, oh my gosh, I'm going to feel this way forever. And I don't know that I can finish this race, you know. Some people run better in the heat. Like I love the heat more. And some people run better when it's cool. So, you know, they could just, you know, take it easy in the heat. And when it cools down at night, they could just pick it up or vice versa. Yeah, but I think I think what what I'm hearing because of just the volume of of runs or races you've had experience in, you have begun to develop a a full system to allow you to problem solve. Um, you mentioned in the the cold water you just finished, right? That you dealt with chafing and you had an issue with Vaseline and squirrel nut butter not working very well when it's cold, right? And so, like you take experiences like that, even though you finish the race, you succeed in completing the race. There's moments in it that create a problem that maybe that needs a new solution that you are adding into your overall toolbox uh, moving forward. And so like when the next time something like this comes up, you're like, well, here's what, here are the different options I can use to resolve this particular issue. It can only be, if it's cramping, it's going to be a problem with water or calcium or magnesium or something. You have come up with all of these solutions in your toolbox because of your experience that I think it's what everyone kind of needs to understand is that the more experience you do these things do in these the more successful you will become in them uh yes but you know also listen to other runners you know it's like i'll be running even though i'm up in the front or last i always uh, stop and help people because i never knew about so i wish someone would have told me and you know and I've, i end up in uh freaking er so many times because i had recall where your kidneys and liver set, shut down i had that shut down so many times um, and like, you know, I'm looking at them when I first went in, they're giving me all this salt, you know, IVs, you know, do you send it? I was in the hospital for like five days and my, I guess my criteria level was at 600. And then, uh, next, you know, I went in again, my criteria was up there in the tens and tens of thousands. It was way up there. And then when they released me, it was in the 600. They said, oh, you can go on. They're like, what? And they were giving me magnesium because I didn't have enough magnesium. So do you, and, and now I'm going to get selfish, right? Because Go ahead. <laughs> I had kidney failure and I was in the hospital for about five days uh, with rhabdomyolysis and kidney failure. And, and so now when I run, right, I'm trying to figure out, hey, is this normal running pain or is this something now that I think is tied to this, you know, it happening again. And so I'm always now playing that mental game. Some of the comments that you've made about like, oh, if it's a muscle cramp versus a cramp in, you know, under my ribs, and clearly you're very in tune with your body, mm -hmm. but are you aware when that kind of stuff is starting to happen? Either you're low on magnesium or your kidneys are giving you problems, or is that just something you have to figure out the hard way, you know, through some of these big things? Well, um, I'm kind of stubborn. I just freaking just keep going, which, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I don't really pay attention to I find out later. But there's times where I keep up on it. I just keep up on, on my nutrition because, you know, so there's times, I mean, there's sometimes I'm running and it's like, I'm Superman, you know, it's like, wow, man, I just did 10 miles and, and it only felt like a mile. And there is times where I, I'm doing a mile and it seems like freaking 20 or 30 miles, <laughs> you know, but, you know, you tend to forget this, you know, to keep on your nutrition and drink because you, you're just feeling great. But, you know, next, you know, it just it catches up to you real quick. So, um, I'm, this is going to be a dumb question for me. What are you taking to also get the magnesium and calcium? If I'm running 100, at least every 25 to 50 miles, I'll always take like a muscle milk or I'll just take a calcium, magnesium. You're getting protein in that also. Yeah, but mm -hmm. I, I always do. I dilute it. I always have it pre-made and with water time I get it, it's all diluted. 
so it's not so thick where you want to just gag it up yeah i can imagine <laughs> well i went there that's where i was going i was like i don't know if i could ingest that that would be hard but now it makes a little bit more sense that you're diluting it yeah i'll tell you another thing too now that i remember it's like uh, if you like like if you take like my uh gels my uh the hammer gel i take what i do is i always pour it into my drink even though i'm taking it with you know with the uh, with the hammer or powder stuff i just pour it in there the mountain when i like one two ounces in it and i just shake it up and mix it in there this i get that i still get the caffeine what i want i still get everything what i, what I need for my energy but I don't get that big rush or I don't get the upset stomach where I want to gag because it's just too sweet. Good tip. That is smart. Yeah, it's really smart. Because it, because I know that, I, like I do goose and stuff for in the beginning of my races, but I also quickly get rid of them because I have to move over to, to other foods because my stomach can't handle that constant like bolus of sweetness and, and gunk. I really like that tip. Yeah. I've also heard you too. I listened to another interview. It sounded like you use bread a lot as well. Yeah, because it uh, it absorbs all the nutrition and stuff, and it just sets in there. So you know, you know, and it it kind of fills you up too. I take raisin bread. I love raisin bread. I mean, I love it. It's one of my favorite snacks when I'm running. So I've yeah. got a, I've got another question, but Sorry. since we're talking about no, since we're talking about this kind of stuff, I'm interested. Do you have uh, like what are your go to shoes? Uh, I like shoes with high arches. My main ones I've been using is Saucony's. Okay. I like their tractions are very good. Mm. It's like I, I, I end up with the trick what I do, I'll, I'll buy them. And once I know the shoe size I, I have and everything, I just, you know, Google the SKU number inside the tongue. I wait like, you know, two or three months and I get them dirt cheap, like for like 40 bucks, 30 bucks. And I just buy a couple of pairs because I already know what size I need. That's uh, Andy. Yeah, I was gonna say Andy Glaze had the same. He he waits to the you know the next year's coming out or whatever, and he'll he'll go buy like ten pairs, just uh, of the same shoe. When I run uh, when I run Arrowhead, I'll either use my boots, uh, Columbia boots, or I'll use uh, I'm gonna try uh, Hoka's. They're white. They're white feet because when you run in the snow, you need to have a, your shoes wider. Because so there's more air, more air to keep your, your, your feet warm. Because if you have them too snug tight, you'll get more frost, frostbite in your toes. We, we talked before we came on this. There's so much that we could just sit here and talk with you about um, from an experience standpoint. But for the listeners, so you just mentioned Arrowhead. We said at the beginning, it's 135 miles in the snow. When we go check on that, you're pulling a sled with supplies behind you in that as well, right? Yes. <laughs> and it weighs about, average it weighs about, if I can get it light, about 40 pounds, 30 to 35 to 40 pounds. So 135 miles <laughs> in negative 35 degrees in Minnesota, pulling a 40 pound, 35 to 45 or 40 pound sled. Sounds like running in boots. So I just want everybody to visualize. Now, here's one thing, and I wasn't even sure I was going to bring this up. We went back and looked at, it was in, we found it in an article and then we tried to look at the race history and it's the BAD, right? So it's the bad 135 because it's the Brazil 135, uh, the Arrowhead, and then Death Valley, Death Valley for the bad, water. bad water 135. But when we looked, your Brazil 135 and then up in Minnesota for the Arrowhead, they were like 48 hours apart or something crazy. Did you really run 135 miles down in Brazil and then essentially catch a flight and get to Minnesota, travel to Minnesota, and then do another 135 miles in the snow? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was all within like five days because, because it took you for the bad, because it was all in 2010 when you did these three races. And the four. Oh, because you did Western States? In the Badwater World Cup, it was it's Brazil, Arrowhead, Badwater, and it went Europe 135. They only had it for one year. Oh my gosh. We didn't so even I catch did that. Europe. I didn't even catch that. Yeah, because the article you read focused on the 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 three. Um the, yeah. the bad cup or bad water cup, not the bad water cup, it's the bad one thirty five cup. Yeah, that was the old one. If you look it up one year, he had the, the 2010, he had the, the Europe 135. And they had that race already for one year. So tell me mentally how you even 
Did you know that you could do that before you went in, or were you just like, I'm just going to give this a shot and see what happens? Um, I knew I could do it. It's just, you know, finishing it. Well, you know, the key is just getting through it. I mean, it's just, it, I look at it, it can't be no harder than Badwater, and it can't be no harder than, than Arrowhead. Those are my two hardest races. So I, I just want to kind of reiterate what we, what we were saying a minute ago about the, the Brazil 135, the Arrowhead 135, and then the Death Valley or Badwater 135. So when we were emphasizing in 2010, when you did the Brazil 135 and then immediately turned around and did the Arrowhead 135, just for the listeners to, to kind of just make sense of this, the Brazil 135 was on January 29th um, and it took you 35 hours to finish it. So which means that went into January 30th that you were finishing up the Brazil 135. On February 1st, two days later, you had to be from Brazil into Minnesota in order to do the Arrowhead 135, which took you 54 hours. I think that was my first year I did it. Yeah, that's yeah. my first year. It is. It's the first time it had ever been accomplished that somebody had done all three races in the same year. Yeah, me and uh, I think Iso was, was doing it. Yeah, that's a long week. Yeah, I mean, did you even sleep in between those two races? How did you? I had a long flight. I think the flight was like 20 hours. He's so nonchalant about so, this accomplishment. But, and I'm like, holy cow. Here's the way to look at it. And this is where I have to challenge myself, right? Is because the default is to go, Ray, you're so different that I I have a hard time relating. Uh, relating and and I pull myself out of the category. Mm -hmm. But based off of what you said, never give up, your body can do remarkable things. I think the challenge would be for all of us that are listening to go, no, Ray, is Ray has tapped into something that we all have. And so now the challenge for me is to go, okay, how do I get my mind to expand to where I accept that I can do much more than I think I'm capable of? Mm -hmm. Because you are so nonchalant. You're like, yeah, I did that. And I, yeah. slept, for, uh, I slept on a 20-hour flight and then I ran a 56-hour race. <laughs> That's remarkable. It is. Um, I'm, I'm so impressed. I know we're getting a little bit short on time here. Um, one of the quotes that really jumped out, so we, we read an article, and I'm just fascinated. So I'm just going gonna, gonna to read you a quote, and then I want you to kind of tell us what it means. Your quote. Yeah, this is, this is a quote. You said, I'm assuming it's talking about some of the boxing, right? But it says, I was a complete brawler. I love to bang and brawl. I think I now run the same way. My friend Jimmy Freeman says I don't really run until I get punched in the lip. What is <laughs> what what That's, does that mean to run once you get punched in the lip? Well, usually I'm falling apart, and that's when I um it's like I'm not gonna give. So I'm more determined to finish. So I just uh I know I just get this surge of energy. I got to just get it over with. Just go out there. So it's just, I just get more, I don't know, I just get a lot stronger. After the low point, is that the punch in the lip when, you, when you're having that yeah. low point? Yeah. Because <laughs> me and Jim, we always go back and forth. I'm always falling apart. I mean, he's very good on this nutrition. That guy's pretty fast, too. And then uh, we're always going back and forth. And then it's just always at the end, I always come back, you know, he wins or I win. I always come back at the end, at the end, just, you know, passing through. It's impressive, man. As Jeremy said, we are, we're definitely getting close to being wrapping up, but um, just want to ask you, you know, everything we've learned about you is that you have so much wisdom that you, you pass along to other runners um, that sometimes they listen and sometimes they don't, right? You know, it's, it's just the nature of who we are. But, but for you, if let's say a new runner comes to you and you have two minutes to give them advice, like a brand new runner, they're looking to get into ultras or what, what have you, what are one to two things that you would want to pass along to them? Uh, just enjoy. I don't look at, you know, trying to compete. Most people want to just run fast, go out there, you know, go for time. Just enjoy and see what, what your body can do. And then next thing you know, you're challenging yourself and you are being fast and you are being smart and wise. You're not going to do it with injuries where you're going out there running too fast, more susceptible to pulling the muscle, more susceptible to falling, spraining, you know, spraining the ankle and everything. I like it. So good. So good. And that answers a little bit of uh, the question of how do you not hurt yourself? And it sounds like your, your answer is go enjoy it and run your own race. Yeah, for sure. There's many times I fell and everything. And it's weird. It's like, 
I'll fall, fall off the mountain, get up and continue running. But at work, I could freaking go up a little step and freaking I pull muscle. I'm like, oh man, how did I do this? It's like weird. <laughs> I feel that oh, yeah. for sure. Well, listen, uh, Ray, we are just honored to have you on the show. Thank you so much for spending the time with us. I I've really, really enjoyed it. And for everybody listening again, Thank you. Uh, go check out Ray. We'll post your Instagram in the notes. Check out his races. Um, and if you like what you're hearing here, make sure you give us a follow. Go tell your friends. Give us a review. We'd be so grateful for that as we continue to grow. But um, Ray, thank you for the time tonight. Oh, thank you for having me. Awesome. All right. We'll talk soon. And cut. Cut. You're early. What is going on? <laughs> I'm always early. I never late. <laughs> <laughs> well, then me and you don't have that in common. Are you in the car? Yeah, kids. I'm watching kids play soccer. <laughs> oh, right on. <laughs> They're playing soccer out there. <laughs> That's awesome. That's super yeah. cool. Did your wife hear you say that you couldn't do it without her? Uh, I don't know if she heard me. Did you hear that? Yeah, I couldn't do my without you. Oh my gosh, she said that. <laughs> <laughs> enjoy the family till eileen thank you she was awesome i'm sure that we will use that she's a firecracker she just made the podcast herself right just so you know she's in the podcast Ooh. <laughs> you can you can you can also come down there run your race and go up to tahoe there you go oh, yeah. you see look at you you're like gonna help me stay married <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be challenging. Yep, it'll be a good day. Because I talk a lot. Mm -hmm.